0: It's not uncommon to find people, even today, that really believe that their good works, their behavior, being part of a good religious system of laws, will actually get them to heaven. The mindset not only places people into a bondage of fear, but it also pushes, I believe, people away from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus had just finished in the text answering the Sadducees concerning the resurrection and was explaining to them and used his teaching to silence them. I think the secular and sacred leaders of of that day desired to trap Jesus with their questions. They thought they had him against the wall many times, but Jesus was able to direct the answer right to those that were actually listening to him. And I think really what Jesus was desiring is to teach not only the lawyer and also the Pharisees and the scribes and his disciples, his desire was to bring them to the place of humility. In verse number 37, it's very clear that he directly speaks to the person who's actually asking the question. Recently, I have been thinking about my Christian life and the walk with God, and I can't help but tell you that... As I get older, there is a more need for humility. Um, Can I share with you that your life would be a lot better off and a lot easier, not only for you, but everybody around you, if you just would have a humble heart before God? I think that authentic Christianity shows humility. I recently was viewing a little three-year-old, Drake Grillo was his name, and he sang the national anthem, With such intensity. Uh, Maybe you have seen the video. Uh, What came to my mind was the simplicity, the humility, the intensity, and the willingness of a child. And that Christ, uh, the Christian life, really is sweeter when we come with this kind of approach. If we are arrogant and we believe we deserve better, we become prideful and then we're hard to live with and our life becomes miserable. Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, prior to discussing. Uh, The matters here had mentioned at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greater in the kingdom of, of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever therefore... Uh, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And wherefore, you find this kind of humble faith, you find the presence of God. And I thought about how that there, there is a need for that humility. And sometimes God allows things to come into our lives to, to humble us. Sometimes there's tragedies that happen, and I find there a sweet, Ability to not only communicate to God, but also to communicate to the neighbor. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, I think, uh, the most beautiful woman, uh, who was a uh, uh I can't say that word, She was. she was actually... Um, paralyzed from the waist down through a diving accident it happened when she was 17. She is probably one of the most famous female Christians of our day, and she wa- she hasn't walked or known feelings in her leg for 51 years. She has been forced to be still and to know that he is God. And while attending uh, a convention, the speaker closed his message with an appeal for everyone to come and to kneel at the altar in prayer. And Mrs. Tata was the only one unable to perform this task and although God knew her heart uh, was kneeling, she began to cry because she wanted to physically kneel before her Lord and though and through the tears of passion she prayed, Lord Jesus, I can't wait for the day when I rise on these, resurrected legs. to first thing I'm going to do is to up to my knees and glorify you in proper worship. And I think about kneeling is one of the expressions that I think a person will do when they truly love God and when they experience his presence. And when God begins to work in their heart, there is a There is a desire to be close to the ground, to bow our head, to be in a situation where we love our Lord and we want to express that to him. I can't help but think of this was the desire that the Lord was giving when he was talking to the disciples. And I think the lawyer comes and he begins to tempt him. And again, I I want to look at the response, if I can, of Jesus. Verse number 36, Master uh, verse 36 says, Master, which is the great commandment? And So let's, let's look at his answer in verse number 37, just for a few minutes. Um, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And so as I look at this, I understand that the, the Jesus gives a personal mandate that demands internal response. Thou shalt love. That's what he says. Interestingly, interesting he uses the word thou. I love the King James because it brings this out. Other texts do not. This is talking about personally. He is saying you. He is speaking to the lawyer, and he is saying you need to love the Lord thy God. Pretty powerful. What is the greatest commandment for you? It is for you to love God. I, 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 there's no other commandment that we can give you that would be greater than this. I mean, again, maybe first if you would in line, but also greatest in impact. And I think we ought to be. Listening to what God has to say, we would be a lot better off in life if we would take what people say less personal and take what God says more personal and realize that God can speak to us through his word. And that's why I direct people to the word of God. If you do not have a Bible and you hang around me long enough, I will give you a Bible. I will pay the money to put it in your hands so that you have the word of God. Listen, we are being told lies on a daily basis from our culture and it's causing people to be all messed up in the head we have to go back to the word of God to find truth Amen. where can we find it from the word of God thy word is truth remember that Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life he says thou but he also says thou shalt what, is the, what does that mean thou shalt you shall so really we're dealing with a commandment okay and so what is the commandment I looked it up Really, it is a mandate or an order or an injunction given by authority. It is a charge or a precept. We see it in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 3. Why do you transgress the commandment of God? We see it also in 22, verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. Um, John 13, 34, a new commandment. A new imperative I give to you that you love one another. And again, when he's talking in John chapter thirteen, he's speaking to the the audience, you, he's talking about everybody, because he uses the word you, but here he is actually addressing this lawyer by saying, You personally must love God by way of precept of of of, of of the moral law, if you would, written on the tables of stone. This is another definition of what a commandment is, one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 34, verse number 32. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord has spoken with him in Mount Sinai. So it is a mandate, and an order or injunction given by the authority, and there was no greater authority among men, There in the midst, other than Jesus Christ, he was the greatest, and he is giving this imperative that thou shalt love God. Uh, I think when we talk about rules and mandates that we have to make them. We have to uh, show that life is better with boundaries. We do this to our children. We have a rather large home. We have little ones there. A lot of times, and so we have certain guidelines because we want to keep everybody safe. If you're a farmer, you realize that there are certain things that can't be done uh, around children because you want them to be safe. So you set up the guidelines. You set up the rules. Their life is going to be a whole lot better on the farm if they stay within the guidelines. Well, guess what? God's saying your life would be a whole lot better if you would stop loving all your money, stop loving all your things. He's saying to the lawyer here and all your desire to be important and realize that you need to put that energy into loving the God of heaven. We have this idea when we go to uh, a place to swim, uh, maybe there's a pool near you. I think sometimes they have it in motels where it says no, no, uh, no pushing, no diving from the side. No running. I, I think that these rules are easy to remember. I think a teacher makes rules or mandates with a classroom. That you, you raise your hand when you... No talking while I'm talking. Uh, no sleeping. If you get tired, stand up in the back. I think these are guidelines that actually the teacher would put in place to say, this class would be a whole lot better for me to teach it and for you to learn. If you just abide by the guidelines and God is saying to the lawyer, listen, your life will completely change if you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. As I think about this, I I remember being in the Marine Corps and listening to all the orders that were given to me. I remember that they taught us very early on to, to, to respond to those that were in authority, but we didn't hesitate in our response. There was an obedience that needed to be given. And I remember many times when they would say, this is what they want done, and then you're listening to every word that he says. Because until he says, go, you don't go, you don't do it, you don't even twitch, you just wait until he says it and gives the command. Well, guess what? My life was a whole lot better in the Marine Corps if I just, guided, if I just would actually be guided by these boundaries that were given. And some of the men were not able to do it. And so he suffered the consequences, and I saw that. Thou shalt love. The greatest commandment is an imperative. But it involves love. Interesting. I think when it comes to love, we have all kinds of ideas about love. There's been songs written about it. Philosophers have written poems about love. One philosopher said that, that love is what the world Needs now. Another pointed out that love is the battlefield. Someone will say that all you need is love. Others will ask, what is has to do, what does love have to do with it? One compares it to a river or a razor or a rose. Another declares that it, it hurts. Love stinks. We all obsessed are obsessed with love. Love stories work their way into almost every movie, every play. Books, love stories, fairy tales. But however in the Bible it portrays love, it defines the reality that is rooted in the very character of the living God of heaven. Which means that all other thoughts on the matter can only be true. Only as they are in keeping with love as it is revealed by the God of heaven. The Bible says that God is love. And while so many will spend their lives looking anywhere for this kind of love, it is not hidden. It is really revealed and it is revealed from heaven that God completely loves you. I love the little sign my wife has in our bedroom. In our bathroom, they have two sinks and two mirrors and in between there. It says, you are loved beyond measure. Romans chapter 8 kind of reminds us every day. That with this ugly mug that I look in the mirror and shave every day, well, I kind of shave. But there's an understanding that God loves me beyond measure. And I want you to know that God loves you beyond measure. And as we're thinking about this this morning, I think it's important for us to get our focus on two imperatives this morning. Number one is to love God, but also to love your neighbor as yourself. And he brings this out, if you can look at your Bible again, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, for this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus gives a personal mandate that dictates an individual allegiance to God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, the object of my undivided love, ought to be given to God. I need to love Him supremely. The Bible says to love Him with all of my heart. That means to love Him with all the heart that I have. It is to fix my affections supremely upon Him more strongly than anything else. To be willing to give up all that we hold dear to at his command. And dear friend, let me tell you something. This is actually dealing with your affections and your emotions need to be placed on the God of heaven before these relationships begin to develop and are, are actually healthy. Your relationship with God must first be healthy and where it needs to be. Jesus is bringing this out. He says also with all your soul, with all your life, if you would, this means to be willing to give up the life to him and to be devoted to him, and to his service, and to live for him, and to really be laying down your life as a living sacrifice. I want to love him with all of my soul. I need to love him with all of my mind, the text says, to submit my intellectual part of me to his will, to love his law and his gospel, more than we do our own decisions, to be willing to submit all of our faculties to his teaching and guidance and to devote to him all of our intellectual attainments and all the results of our intellectual efforts. But I'm going to share something with you this morning. It is utterly impossible to do that. No matter how hard you try, Because you still have you living with you. You have the old man in the deeds. You have the flesh. And even though you can say, well, I love God more than anything in this world, hogwash. Because you're still looking in the mirror at yourself and you're still trying to do all of what you want to do. In order to be able to love God, you've got to lay your life down and say, here I am, Lord. This is so convicting because... In the flesh, it is absolutely impossible. And we fall short. And a lawyer may have an attitude when he came to confront Jesus and test him. And I say that after the conversation, he had no swagger when he walked away from Jesus. Oh, hear Israel in Deuteronomy 6, 5. The Lord our God and the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength. This is known as the Shema, if you would, or the Shema, the hear, the part, hear, O Israel. So the modern Jew is considered uh, to, to be able to recite this in the evening and in the morning that I would actually love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. It is the greatest commandment. But that's not really what I want to talk to you about this morning. I'll talk to you about something else. Verse number 38 through verse number 40, we find out something else in the text, and I think it's important for us to understand that obedience to the primary command, to love God, will then help us to be able to fulfill the secondary command, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself. So you say, well, it is impossible for me to love God wholeheartedly as long as I'm in the flesh, you know, when the rapture takes place and we are in our glorified bodies and we are able to be in the presence of this God of heaven, we're going to be able to love him supremely. Now, I, I, I would probably argue with you a little bit, there, are, there has been people that have laid their lives down as living sacrifices and they understand this. I think Jesus Christ is our example, of course, that he loved you so much that he laid his life down hereby. We perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And so there is somebody who can love you. But I think it's important for us to know that we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we look at the text again, verse number 36 says, this is the first and great, 38 says, this is the first and great commandment, verse 39, and the second is like unto unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Turn up, if you would, over to to Mark chapter 8 with me. Mark chapter 8. Let me take a different direction here this morning and just share this with you in closing, that you must first draw that love from God. And once you have his love, Then you're going to be able to love others the same. Uh, I think it's important for us to be careful because we as Christians can get so preoccupied. We live in a culture where there is an incredible brain overload on things. You are so tired because of the schedule overload, the information overload, the choice overload. The, the difficulties that are going on within our culture itself, looking at all the rumors of wars and all the pestilences and all the things that are happening, and the floods and the fires and all of this, cause us to be weary, and there's a brain overload that sometimes takes us away from what God desires for us to do. And all we can see is our own desires and our own things, and pretty soon we become reclusive, if you would, and we don't want to stretch out and do anything because we are somewhat depressed and we're going to run from our responsibilities. It's what we do as people because we run and hide when God desires for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. I think really the debate would be, who is my neighbor? And we understand that already from the Good Samaritan story because really the the, the neighbor is the next person you see in need. So that would be cleared up. Let's just say that. Loving your neighbor would be the next person you see in need, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's a physical need, whatever it is. You need to help them. Okay. But I want you to see this in light of this thought of loving your neighbor. In Mark chapter 8, and it's the only place that this particular miracle is mentioned. Mark's the only one that mentions it. Listen to what it says in verse 22. And he comes to Bethsaida. Bethsaida. He comes to Bethsaida, and they, they bring a blind man unto him and besought to touch him. So he's they bring this blind man to Jesus. He's in the he's in the um, he's in the healing time where they bring people to him and he'll touch them and heal them. Um, it's not uncommon for them to bring this blind man to Jesus, but they do. And then he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now it's interesting because we're, we're talking about personal here, that Jesus grabbed his hand and took him away from all of the people into some place where it was more of a solitude place that he could deal with him personally. And it says, and he led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So it's interesting because the Lord Jesus takes the spittle and puts it on his eyes, and then he says to the man, what do you see? And he says, I I see men walking as trees. They're like, they're just... Figures walking. Look at verse 25. And after that he put his hands again on his eyes, he made him look up, and he was restored. And he saw every man what? Okay. It's interesting to me, because whenever Jesus does something, Like when he healed blind Bartimaeus, it was instant. Here, there's something happens in this story. And and I want to say this. That sometimes God will deliver you, um, and you'll see things kind of blurred. You're not seeing things real clear until he touches you again. In other words, you can go a long time seeing men as trees. The more I thought about this story, that I can say I love the Lord thy God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. I love the Lord thy God. But do I love the neighbor, my neighbor as myself? If I'm only seeing men as trees, what good is that? Maybe I could go in that direction, but there's a tree in the way. There's somebody in the way. Because all I do is see men as trees. I walk through life and it seems like I would be able to go this direction, but that person is my problem and they're in the way. Or maybe I would see men as trees because they give me fruit and the benefits of that tree is something that will benefit me. So all I do is see men as some way of benefiting me. You get what I'm getting at? Because if we're not careful, we can actually go through life seeing men as only trees. Obstacles in our way, things that would benefit us. How can I make my life better when God desires for us to see men clearly? And when he opens up your eyes, I really believe it happens after you have a meeting with God. And maybe your life has never had that yet. And when I'm talking about a meeting with God, have you taken care of the sin problem in your life? Everybody in this room wants to go to heaven. There's no doubt in my mind. Because the alternative is really scary. A lake of fire, forever falling, throughout all eternity. The horrors of hell are incredible, even though Jesus spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. It's interesting we think about this, because everybody wants to go to But they never want to talk about the sin problem. And see, this is the issue. Because everybody thinks that if I keep the laws, and I do good, and I'm a nice person, I'm going to go to heaven. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. There's a lot of really, really good people that had to go to hell because it never came to Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. no man comes to the Father but by me. So the sin problem is taken care of when you have a meeting with God and you understand that what Jesus Christ has done on Calvary is sufficient for your salvation. You see, it's, it's the simplicity that's in Jesus. It's, it's not any other way, no matter what. Anybody else says the Bible is true. The only way to get to heaven and the way to get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And so when that happens, you understand that my sin problem is still there until I've taken my sin and given it to Jesus Christ. What am I going to do with my sin problem? Because it, gives me, it makes me feel ashamed. It makes me feel guilty. I have no hope with sin. What am I going to do with it? Well, We need to do what the Bible says. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the only answer. If we look at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, we see it clearly where the woman comes in and she cries at the feet of Jesus and she asks, you know, she washes her feet with her her tears and, and he says, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. So how do I make my sin problem Okay. By coming to Jesus. And how do I make my peace with God? By coming to Jesus Christ and giving Him your sin. And just saying, Lord, I'm a sinner by nature. I just want to be the rough guy. I want to do the, the evil thing. We are talking about this in Sunday school, and I exposed a little bit about what I was like when I was 17 years old. And I'm telling you that without Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here today. Without Jesus Christ, I would have nothing It is because of the simplicity of Jesus Christ that I can say I have a home in heaven and so do you when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Then it comes to the neighbor. How many people have I walked past that I saw them as a tree and I didn't see them clearly? You know what I'm talking about you walk in this church, and you'll walk, walk, walk past people, won't shake hands, because you're on a mission. You want to quickly get in there and get comfortable and sit down, not really talk to anybody. And you walk right by trees and not men, clearly. Whenever I talk to someone, I think it's important for me now, these years, I'll be 63, I want to slow down and just look them in the eye and talk to them. Yesterday afternoon late, we went over to Edgerton and picked up some things and got it off Marketplace. And I said, you're, you're not able to help us. And I understand what happened. So I got bad shoulders. I had surgery. And I'm going to need surgery. I'm in therapy. And and for just a little small moment, I looked into the guy's eyes and began to see him clearly and his needs. And I'm thinking all my life now, I'm at 63 almost I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, have I been seeing men as trees? Oh God, let me love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and let me love thy neighbor, my neighbor, as myself. Help me not to see men as trees, but to see them clearly. I think this is the answer to our culture today, that anybody that you see and you have the opportunity to shake their hand, that you would just get over your own issues enough to see what God wants to do with you in helping them with their issues. This church is full of people. I could actually call you by name, but you've helped people through the years over and over and over again. I praise the Lord for you. But maybe you're here this morning, and you've been so caught up with your own things that you're not able... To love God. I think 1 John chapter 2 is relevant. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you love God this morning? Oh, he loves you. (laughs) He loves you with no reservations. But do you love him? Say, yes, I do. Then love thy neighbor also, and you will be blessed. Say, what can I do to show God I love him? Listen to his word. The word is very clear. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon him yet? I hope you have. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I went over a little bit this morning, but I believe I needed to. But maybe this morning you're sitting there you say, Pastor, I still don't know about my own life. I don't have peace. Pastor, I'm not even sure I'm going to go when I die. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'd like to know. I'd like to be able to walk out of this place knowing that I'm going to heaven when I die. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me, because I'm struggling with this. God has been dealing with me. I want you to pray for me, if you would. No one's looking around. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray. I want to know Jesus. I want him in my life. Anyone? Then, dear Christian, this message was for you. Do you love God? Do you love your neighbors? You can. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand to your feet, no one looking around? Let's have an old-fashioned invitation. If you need to come, whatever it might be this morning, maybe it's baptism, church membership, maybe you just need to come and pray. The altar is open for you. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.